0: Welcome to the Wild and Well Fed podcast, where we discuss women's health beyond nutrition.
1: Get ready for practical, sustainable, real life health topics that will help bring you closer to nature and your feminine roots.
0: This is your host, Laura Lyons, and I'm here with my co host, Anika Nicole. Let's get wildly
1: nourished. The Wild and Well Fed podcast is not medical advice, diagnosis, or prescription. No information in this podcast should be considered as medical advice or treated as such. Please consult your doctor before implementing any nutritional, supplemental, or lifestyle changes.
0: Welcome back to season two of the Wild and Well Fed podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing why your body craves safety in your mental and emotional environment and how a negative environment impacts your healing. And remember, your environment is not just where you live, although we are putting a pretty strong emphasis on your home environment in the past two episodes. It is anything that you consume, whether it's people you surround yourself with, who you follow on social media, the food that you eat. Or your job, just to name a few, and we already talked about eliminating stress in your home through non-toxic living, which is incredibly important. If you don't want, to, even if you don't want to believe that it is, uh, but now we're going to be discussing eliminating stress in your mental and emotional environment and ways to make your internal environment less toxic and stressful. But Annika, first, do you want to tell us about today's sponsor? <laughs>
1: Yes, I would love to. So you guys guessed it. This episode is also sponsored by us. (laughs) (laughs) Probably (laughs) most of them will be, but it's because we have so many things that we want uh, to share with you guys. So, today's specific episode sponsor is Eat Your Prenatal, which is our 170 page digital ebook guide to learning how to eat your prenatal instead of just relying on a catch all supplement. So, basically, after years of working with countless women, both clients and women in our membership who have been on fertility journeys. We have walked so many individuals through preparing for pregnancy, getting pregnant, maintaining pregnancy after miscarriage, getting pregnant after years of unexplained infertility, and more. And we have guided our clients through their pregnancies without prenatal vitamins, and we see optimal outcomes time and time again. We co-wrote Eat Your Prenatal with our business partner, Emily. You probably follow her on Instagram, but if you don't, her handle is at Emily Awake. She's a mom of two and has had two pregnancies, one where she took a prenatal and one where she didn't. Her first pregnancy was pretty conventional. She did the normal thing, took the prenatal, and she felt like... Crap, like garbage, basically. And her second pregnancy was significantly better once she had learned how to nourish and support her body with food and intentional supplements. So, working with Emily and working together on this guide has been one of our favorite and most fulfilling projects that we have ever worked on. Like I said earlier, it's a 170-page digital guide that has 13 chapters, basically, including things like prenatal nutrients, the problem with taking prenatal vitamins, and we deep dive into two prenatal vitamins, a higher quality one and a lower quality one, and explain why both are still not great options. We dive into minerals. We have a whole entire detailed seven-day meal plan. We go through intentional supplementation, lots of other extras like a better option for the Gestational diabetes glucose test, iron and hemoglobin, and so much more. We also included a workbook at the end to help you plan your nutrient intake. We have 16 recipes and eight drink recipes if you're experiencing morning sickness and you can't eat anything, but you can drink things. And then at the end, we actually did break down the two best prenatal vitamins on the market. So even if you read the whole thing and you still decide that you want to take a prenatal, we cover that in the book. And you will get access to all of this for $49.99. That is the cost of this ebook. It took literally three of us to write this book. And if you ever were to print it out, it legitimately looks like a college textbook because it is so thick and full of information and helpful resources. So basically, we just want women to feel empowered during their pregnancies and at the very least have informed consent when it comes to taking a prenatal. So head to our website, wildwellfed.com slash eatyourprenatal, or go to the link in the show notes to get your copy. Now, let's dive back into the episode. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about why your body craves safety in order to heal and the internal stressors that could be impacting you or preventing you from healing in that way?
0: Yeah, so... I think it's a good idea to talk about what your body perceives as a threat in an unstable environment and then go into what happens when your body does not feel safe. Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to allowing your body to feel safe in order to heal. And we have so many more stressors nowadays than ever before, and our bodies are taking a massive hit from them. So... Some of these stressors include, of course, the toxic home environment, like we had mentioned in the last episode, but also things that have become really common, like dieting, under eating, fasting, low carb diets, processed foods, and or just not eating a diet that works for your unique needs, over-exercising or even under-exercising, uh, blood sugar dips from improper meal, type, meal timing and waiting too long to eat. Uh, Poor digestion, poor sleep, uh, unexpressed emotions and traumas, energy sucking relationships, or even just like lack of community, social media and just the never ending overload of information, uh, talking poorly about your body, or just negative self talk. And I know that's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot more, Uh, but I do feel like these are the biggest ones to touch on. And just to put this in perspective, most of us have. Not felt safe or stable in our environments in a long time. And basically, our bodies are just craving stability, safety, and consistency in our homes, relationships, and our bodies. So you can see it's not just like your chaotic, toxic and messy home environment like we've kind of touched on in the past two episodes um that your body is seeing that as a threat but this all of this stuff just adds to the bucket. And like Anika had talked about in our last episode uh You can look at it as a bucket. You keep adding and adding and adding stressors and threats to this bucket until your body can no longer handle it, and then it breaks. So your body is just constantly speaking to you and taking in your environment. If something doesn't feel right, it's probably going to speak to you in symptoms. So... Those symptoms or imbalances in the body become a stressor as well. So if you have like a wrecked digestive system, um, that is going to be a stressor. If your minerals are super depleted, that will be a stressor. And I can guarantee if you're super stressed out, your minerals are suffering um, since you have a higher burn rate and need for energy and nutrients. Um, Also, if you're in chronic pain, that's going to be a stressor and so on. So basically the external stressor that created that internal stressor or chronic symptom um, is, is actually caused from stress. So think about how you feel if you're experiencing a big threat, like a conflict with somebody or an injury or an accident, you can actually feel that in your body. Um, You might shake or your body might get cold or hot or your heart might start to race. And in those those specific big conflicts or threats, you can actually feel your body getting activated. But Like, what if your body is in a chronic state of activation from small threats that you didn't even think about, like your chaotic home environment or your diet or lifestyle or even just like waking up unhappy every day or talking poorly to yourself? And this is making you less resilient to those bigger stressors. And a lot of the times when I work with clients, and I'm sure, Anika, you have noticed this too, and this is why we have people fill out such extensive paperwork, is People usually say, I never felt myself after this, or I got sick after this. And they can usually tie it to some type of a big stressor or event because that bucket overflowed. Um, And some of your mild symptoms over time become chronic and debilitating from these big stressors and these small stressors that overflow in that bucket. Um, And I know (laughs) most of you don't want to believe that your symptoms are coming from your chaotic, stressful environments, but they
1: are, unfortunately. It's so true. And I think we've already said this, but this is something that we still experience every day. We experience this when we work with clients and we still experience it in the membership is these women that have told us they have a super stressful situation that we know about will post in the membership and be like, oh, I ate something and now I don't feel good or whatever. And we'll be like, well, we know that you're going through X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's like we're constantly reminding people, hey, you're kind of living a stressful life right now. It Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense why that's happening. But yeah, we're just living in a world where most of us get activated daily. I mean, we are so many of us, and I know this was me all the time in my past, would get that like full adrenaline response for the tiniest things. Did you have that happen to you too? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could just be
0: in a mild conflict with somebody like super mild, like nothing like life altering. <laughs> and my entire body would have a knee jerk reaction to it. Yeah. And I would I would get like that shaking feeling like I'm not mm-hmm. able to focus on anything like my entire mind is consumed by it. And I yeah. I would like my body temperatures would change too. I'd either get really hot or really, really cold. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: crazy. It's true. Yeah. When I was super mineral depleted and really stressed and going through my divorce and things like that I could get a full adrenaline response just from picturing something stressful that hadn't even happened
0: yeah (laughs) it was crazy and this is a little tmi but uh adrenaline response could be in the form of diarrhea so
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that at the, towards the end, because I actually do have stories about that, which is so fun. That, yeah, that was a rough, that was a rough time in my life. Something that I never want to go back to I would never wish on anyone. Oh, i 'm so glad we can laugh about it now I know I know <laughs> it's not I agree funny for I know a while. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, but anyway i mean we 're all living in a world where most of us are getting activated daily when we should really only be activating our nervous systems for very short periods of time, very infrequently, like truly in the case of getting chased by a bear or a life threatening situation and You guys, if you're in the wellness space at all, have probably heard the example of like we're getting these full adrenaline responses from things like what Laura and I just talked about, or like a scary conversation with your boss. So we're getting these all the time. And these are truly a survival technique. It is literally called fight or flight. So our bodies are in this primal state and can't differentiate a stressful text from getting chased by a bear and Mm -hmm. releasing all these stress hormones into your system over and over and over is going to absolutely wreck your adrenals and just... Really create a breakdown in your body over time. Yeah. yeah so. And even all that
0: stuff that I had just mentioned, too. I mean, this just adds to that. And we're voluntarily destroying our bodies by doing a lot of these things that we have control over too. Mm -hmm. So uh, we might not not have control over getting in a conflict with somebody or, you know, these bigger, um, you know, events, but we do have control over all of these things that I just listed. And we're literally voluntarily Mm -hmm. doing this to ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. So basically the point of this whole season is to try to help you guys identify stressors that can be eliminated, stressors that are under your control, because if you are able to eliminate those, you will handle the unavoidable stressors in a much better way. Yeah. So something we want to mention too is that when we run labs on clients, those labs basically are just a marker or a measurement of telling us just how stressed out your body is and what that chronic state of stress and your environment has done to your body, what imbalance it has created. And the imbalance is not the root cause, but identifying your stressors and the the bucket we keep talking about and how much you filled that can really help us get you to a better place because we can't, like we've said a million times, help someone heal without addressing all of those things. So the root cause is always going to be what got you to your place of sickness in the first place. Your body didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I want this person to have this symptom and this diagnosis for no reason. Your stress bucket overflowed. And like Laura just mentioned, and we'll go into later, I experienced literal GI symptoms from the stress I was experiencing with my divorce. So I could bl- I could try to go down the rabbit hole of, was it this that I ate or this that I did or any of that stuff, but it came down to the level of stress I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And your body is just craving safety and stability and it will not fully heal until it gets there. And a lot of times that takes a huge life overhaul, not just something small like um, just quitting your job. So a lot of people will blame everything on their job and wonder why quitting their job was not enough to get them to a state of safety well, like we said, go back and listen to that list of stressors that Laura mentioned because there's so much to it. Quitting your job or making one change in your life might not always be the only answer in some cases it really can't be <laughs> quitting mm-hmm. your stressful job or getting out of a toxic relationship can change everything yeah. for you but there are a lot of instances where there's just so many things going on in someone's life that are is contributing to this overall illness mm-hmm yeah.
0: I mean, I think it just, people need to know it can take years of working on yourself, your life, your health before your body is going to actually reach a point of feeling safe. So it, it takes a long time. I mean, Annika and I've been there. You've heard our health stories
1: too. So It does. Yeah. And I mean, I wish we were more resilient and we didn't have to say all this, but just due to the modern world that we're living in, that is truly just how it is. But We do believe that if you evaluate your life, really take a good, hard look at how you're living and make the steps and take the risks and lab testing and lowering your toxins and stressors, that stuff can all be tremendously helpful in getting your body out of a chronic state of stress and depletion. Yeah, I totally agree. I
0: definitely think there is a big misconception when it comes to lab work, um, that what we're seeing is the root cause, right? Because we call ourselves like root cause practitioners, you know, we're looking for the root cause. But no. Stress is always the root cause. And that's what got your place, your body to a place of this imbalance that we're now seeing on the tests. So kind of like what you said, like your body didn't decide to one day just make your thyroid or your digestive system suffer. There's a reason for it. And it's usually linked to stress. So um, yeah. Did you want to talk a little bit more in depth about like those different stressors that we've mentioned? And I mean, I think a lot of people are probably wondering like, what? How is fasting a stressor? Or like, how is processed food a stressor? <laughs> like, how is this hindering my healing? I thought some of these things were good. Obviously not processed food, but you know, fasting or dieting mm-hmm. or overexercising, you know, things like that.
1: Oh my gosh. The amount of times we have been asked about fasting.
0: Mm, I know still <laughs> to this day, to this still day, to this day
1: <laughs> we had someone in our membership actually post about it the other day. And she was talking about this woman who is apparently like a woman's hormonal yeah. coach or whatever, recommending five day fasts for women. Yeah, And we responded and we were like, I'm sorry, we're not sure if this is a joke or not. And she's like, no, this woman literally rec- recommends that. So I
0: um there's this oh. book that's really popular right now and I've kind of skimmed through it and it's called I think it's called like Fast Like a Girl. Um and I so I've skimmed through it and I I have it I just like look at it with full blinders though. Like I'm able to call bullshit on most mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> most I people bet. don't can't or they don't because they haven't they haven't done the line of work that we do or done extensive right. research on this um but pretty much the entire book i'm like rolling my eyes the whole entire time yeah. and yeah. it's just so sad that it's become such a um a popular book right now when it's like i no you know no just no <laughs> yeah
1: and i mean i don't blame i we're not saying this to blame people because i literally was the queen of intermittent oh, fasting yep. i did Same. it for Probably three years. Whoa. I mean, yeah. I it oh, I for did a actually. long time. Yeah. Now yeah. that I think
0: about it, I did
1: fasted workouts every single morning for yeah. like three to five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's true. So we're not like, we understand that there's a lot of confusing information out there. We don't blame people for falling for it, but yeah. we want to just talk about yeah. it because these things are causing so much stress. There are all of these things dieting, under eating, fasting, low carb. All the stuff you mentioned, like we talked about in the first season, is just sending the message to your body every single day that your body is the enemy. Mm -hmm. I mean, dieting or restriction of any kind is the practice of repeatedly telling your body every single day that you don't trust it, that you're depriving it of all vital nutrients, and that you have to work against it in order to get the results you want. So it's this idea that you constantly have to be fighting yourself. To get like this body type or this body image that you want to have. Of course, that is not sustainable. It is so harmful in every way. And an environment of deprivation will never lead to healing in your body. Yeah. So, not to mention it's not sustainable.
0: Like, none of no. this is sustainable ever. You know, no. you're not going to do this for the rest of your life. Absolutely not. Our, you can't. We change all the time. Like, our, there's different seasons of life. And you can't expect that the same thing you were doing, the low carb or under eating or fasting or whatever is going to work the same, you know, in five years. It's not. You may think it's going to, but it's not. And then you're going to be sadly disappointed when your symptoms, <laughs> which
1: these are just used as Band-Aids, come back full force. So, well, exactly. And that's the problem is you can do anything for a small period of time and, and feel good. that's doing it. And you can feel fine. Yeah, I can feel great um, yeah. because of stress hormones, yep. which we'll probably get into. But yeah. the the these types of things deplete your nutrients so much. I used to binge and restrict a lot. That was kind of like my intro to dieting. I would not eat and then I would just binge. And it's literally because your body is starving for nutrients on a cellular level. Like I couldn't binge right now if my life depended on it. I used to watch like all these YouTube videos on how to stop binge eating. And I would follow Instagram accounts with binge eating (laughs) advice. And it's like once I started to nourish my body, I haven't even thought – like the thought hasn't crossed my mind in – in years. (laughs) So it's because I've nourished myself and gotten out of that state of complete depletion. But that's why we do what we do, honestly. Teaching women the truth about dieting and why it's so harmful is how we got into this career field because we don't want Mm -hmm. other women to make all the same mistakes that we made. We want to help them help women understand how to nourish themselves appropriately so that they can leave diet culture and the war on their bodies for good. So that is literally why we are here. But yeah, understanding what you're putting in your body and why is so important because that will help you to see food as a mechanism for healing and a tool to create a stable environment in your body will literally set you free from dieting. And until you truly understand why you're eating what you're eating and why certain foods are doing certain things for your body and how to work with your body, we don't think you'll be able to fully heal because you'll be consistently putting your body on in that stress. And we see women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond still plagued mm-hmm. with dieting. It's so sad. It but is. if you look closely, you can see how much it's stolen joy from their lives and negatively impacted them in every way. I actually, there's a reel, you probably saw this reel too, of mm-hmm. a girl talking about going home for like Thanksgiving or something and her grandma was still dieting and she's like, my grandma's 80 years old. So it will never stop. You're not going to grow out of it. It will not stop until you make it stop. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it can take over a hundred percent can. Mm -hmm. I mean, I
0: just remember so many times in my life, like my weight holding me back from certain things like not wanting to go on vacations or see people or whatever it may be. And I'm sure you've dealt with this with the acne oh, yeah. situation. And mm-hmm. I just remember, I mean, it, it did, it stole joy from me. And then having such rigid routines and eating habits. And that, that was so detrimental for me. I had, I didn't want to be social at all because I was, all I was thinking about was like, Oh, I can't do that because I'm not going to, I want to eat in my perfect little box in my bubble. Yeah. And so, you know, you're avoiding these social situations, which are going to be talking a lot about community and um, relationships and that being so important. And you're avoiding these because you want to keep you're, you want, you want to continue in your little bubble so that you can have a certain body shape or size. And it's just, it's such a negative way of thinking, but you can't let certain things keep you down. You know, you got, you have Mm to, you have to really just live your life without thinking about dieting and food. I think we just let this stuff over consume us so much. And it does, it takes over your entire life. And I've let it steal joy from me for years you know
1: yeah it's true. It, it's, it causes so much stress in so many ways. It causes emotional stress, but it also causes just a lot of physical stress, which we're going to mm-hmm. talk about in a second. You're going to go into that. But I mean, even something like low carb, I feel like that is the gateway drug to dieting. Like the, yeah, the first thing you always start with when you start dieting is low carb. Yeah. But even something like low carb or, of course, all the diets like keto, no carb, that kind of thing, literally make your body go through A process of making its own carbs. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely stressful and should only be used during times of famine. It's literally a survival technique. And it's so funny because when we were talking about this podcast, we're like, we're not going to talk about gluconeogenesis. <laughs> and we're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not we're gonna try to refrain because we talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, we do. But it is seriously that's for those that heard that and are like, What are you talking about? That's that's yeah. what the scientific term is for the process of your body converting protein and um fat and muscle tissue and body tissue into fuel, which it will do. It will break, your body will break itself down to stay alive. That makes sense. That's a survival mechanism. We don't use that mechanism for dieting. That's going to dig you into a really deep hole. And it's very, very dangerous. I have a history of the keto diet and doing this for years of putting my body into a state of needing to create its own fuel and I'm still recovering. It's been like oh, three yeah. years. I'm still that's recovering. That's one of that's that. one of the hardest. Trying to get your mm-hmm.
0: body to be able to utilize carbs again can be really hard. Um, it is but yeah, I just I just feel like especially in nowadays, all the blame is put on carbs. Like everybody tries to relate everything to carbs. Everything is carbs and dairy. Like, it's like, that's the solution, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, no, absolutely not. And even with fasting, um, you know, you're just putting the same thing. You're putting your body into a state of famine. And I've done numerous, um, posts on Instagram about how Almost all of the studies on fasting are done on men. And it's just because we have cycles. We're women and we, we're sick, we're cyclical creatures. And our hormones ebb and flow throughout the month. So it's hard to be able to use women as um, test subjects because we're going to be at all different times of our cycle. We all have completely different... Um, different cycles and rhythms. So it's just kind of interesting how fasting has become so popular among women when it's like none of us are taking that into
1: consideration. Yeah. Well, no one's going to tell you that because instead of making special studies for fasting on women, they just don't do studies on women. It's
0: too hard. It's too hard basically is what it is. So they just don't do it, you know? Exactly. Um, But, yeah, basically, our cycles just make us more sensitive to stressors like fasting, um, especially during different times of our cycle. And our body needs to go through a stressful process to create its own fuel rather than just, you know, giving it what it needs. Um, And this fasting definitely, and this is something I've seen a lot in my practice, is it does, you know, suppress your thyroid. It does cause a rise in cortisol and it can then increase your estrogen and drop your progesterone. There's so many facets to fasting. Um, and it's just, it's, it's truly very detrimental to women. And I wish more people were talking about this. Um, fasting is the biggest stressor fasting and low carb, like two huge stressors <laughs> on your body,
1: especially for women. And it's one of those things where when I talked about fasting, women will comment on my posts, especially on Instagram and be like, well, you know, you're not, you didn't, you're not doing it right. Or you, you don't understand. And I'm like, no, I did fast. Yeah. And the bottom line is it feels great until it doesn't. Yes. And all these women are like, I've, I've been fasting for three weeks and I've never felt better. And I'm like, (laughs) I will, I'll see you in a year, (laughs) Yep. Yep. you know, like not, I'm not trying to like wish them, you know, like wish harm on them, but it works until it doesn't. And I remember when, before I knew any of this, I would be like, how, how was I able to do this for so long? And I felt so good. And now I can't, I, I'm, I'm shaky and I feel horrible without eating mm-hmm. breakfast and I can't get anything done. And all I think about is food. And then I binge yeah. and yeah, I, you you burn I yourself understand out. it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you do. Yeah. I mean, it causes that rise in cortisol. So you're just in this chronic state of pumping out Mm -hmm. stress hormones and it can feel really, really, really good until your body crashes. And that's when we can start to see a lot of symptoms. And some people have more resilience. So some people can fast for years, right? Men can do pretty well with it, but, you know, I'm not saying it's good for them, but, you know, they're more resilient. So it just kind of depends on your resiliency and how long it's going to take for your body to come down and crash and fall and a lot of the times you might not even realize it you might end up you know with a thyroid issue but you're not associating it with the fasting
1: or you're gonna felt
0: fine yes you think you feel okay you know but Mm -hmm. then then your thyroid suffers or then you end up estrogen dominant or you have low progesterone you're not ovulating like there's all of these factors that you're not associating with the fasting because you
1: think that it's good for you, so yep, that's how I lost my period was, yeah was Same. fasting and undereating, and yep. it took four months to get it back.
0: Yep, yep. that's kind I of mean, scary. You're basically just down regulating your metabolism. When you're undereating or fasting, you're actually putting your body into a slow metabolic rate. That's what you're doing mm-hmm. when you do that to your body. That's not what we want. that
1: doesn't that doesn't make sense for healing, right? Which is why when you stop fasting, you are going to pack on the weight. Yes. It's one yeah. of those things where we call, we, we've used this term for things like, I've called it low calorie purgatory. Mm-hmm. If you start restricting calories to 1200, guess what? You're stuck. If you start intermittent fasting, guess what? You're stuck. If you start yeah. uh, like a keto or no carb diet, you're stuck because when you, yeah. I mean, you have to come out of it and we encourage you to come out of it. But when you do come out of it, you will gain weight. You will. Yeah, this
0: is a band. That's all band-aids. That's all it is. And it's unfortunate that we've even done that to ourselves, that we've literally created this imbalance in our body because we're doing something that people are promoting as being good for you when it's not. And I even have seen, um, oh man, there was this girl that she would do crazy fasts. And I remember coming to me and she's like, I just like keep putting on weight. So then I'll do a fast. And like, you know, she's just like doing all these different types of fasts. Sometimes it was fasting every day. Other times she would do like a week long fast, like crazy stuff. Oh my gosh. I think she probably put on about 200 pounds in the process Mm -hmm. of all of that. And that's another thing you might notice too. You're fasting for a while and you feel really good. You're like, I'm dropping some weight. And then guess what? you start packing on the pounds because your body can only handle so much. So either way, it's not going to benefit you (laughs) to fast if weight loss is a goal (laughs) of yours. Um, And we've just been told differently. We'll only get
1: short term benefits. That's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, I think another good one to talk about would be the processed foods and I guess with processed foods, um, well processed foods are stressful, but also what comes with that is poofas um eating out too often, things like that. but um basically a high a high quality nutrient dense diet is going to do so much more for you than eating processed foods um uh, processed foods actually Decreases your minerals. It actually um, impacts your digestion, so you're not going to be utilizing minerals very well. PUFAs—that's a whole ball game. We were—we also kind of told each other we weren't going to be talking like in depth about <laughs> PUFAs and, and all the things that we talk about on our Instagram posts, um, and just kind of steering away from that. But PUFAs are super stressful, you know, having canola oil and. Um, I mean, even like nuts and seeds and things like that, just high PUFA diet is going to be really stressful because it can create oxidative stress. So um, yeah, basically these these processed foods are just super toxic, full of chemicals and add additives and just crap. So um, that's a big stressor on your body. I think that's something we all know. I don't even think I need to go into massive detail on this. I think we all know we shouldn't be like, you know, eating McDonald's. Like, have you ever thought about how crazy it is That something like an apple can cost more at the grocery store than,
1: like, two tacos at Taco Bell? Okay, yes, but you know what? I have – I am in a situation right now where I see people consuming fast food more. (laughs) So it's easy to believe that, like, no one's eating it because – I mostly am surrounded by people that don't, but I've recently been around people that are eating fast food and it's getting expensive. Really? <laughs> it is. It is. And I look at the I look at it and I think to myself like, but you could be saving money eating grass fed ground beef right now. Yep. yep. So that's kind of interesting because it was, it used to be like you could get, two Taco Bell tacos for the cost of, yeah, an an apple or something. And I think people still think that that's what's going on, but that's not anymore. Fast food prices are significantly increasing, but of course someone that's addicted to fast food doesn't want to go get grass-fed ground beef because they're addicted to the Mm hyper-palatable foods, which for those who don't know, just is a fancy term for foods that are Have additives to keep you craving more. Um, So it is an addiction because there are chemicals added to the food that is not food. So it's basically like a drug that keeps you addicted to it.
0: I mean, I guess with food prices going up all around, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I wouldn't even know. How much like a kid's meal would be at McDonald's now, but I'm sure it's probably a lot more than when I was growing up, you know, Um, which that's unfortunate, because I feel like people are still eating that stuff thinking that it's cheaper than healthy food, you know.
1: Yep. So I actually saw, this is a real life example. I saw an Arby's order the other day that was like a burger, uh, or like a sandwich and some fries or onion rings. And then like three drinks mm -hmm. and it was 18 bucks. So you could easily go to the store and get a pack of grass fed beef, a pound of grass fed beef, a potato and some other things and be have that for two meals. Yeah. And I mean, you
0: could even go to like Chipotle, which isn't the best, but still better
1: and get this, get like two meals for probably that price. That's yeah. crazy. So it's getting expensive. So I think that that's just something that people should be aware of.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think when it comes to processed foods um, or just food in general, I think a good rule of thumb is always considering like is this going to nourish me or is this going to hinder me? And nine times out of 10, that processed food is going to hinder you. Um, It it does. It impacts every cell in your body and it impacts your digestion, like I had mentioned, but processed foods are just not the way to go. And you can probably even look, I bet if you were to Google right now, if processed foods um, deplete you of nutrients and they can literally tell you, everything you need to know about how it actually depletes you of minerals rather than, um, giving you something nourishing to eat.
1: Yep. And this is another area where people can eat like this for quite a while and, f- and feel okay. But the chemicals and dyes and preservatives in these things are linked to all sorts of ailments and diseases from hyperactivity to depression to cancer. Mm-hmm. So you can be going along your life and being like, well, I was, I felt fine, but now I have this. And it's like, well, let's look at the <laughs> accumulation of the toxins in your body from eating all these addictive, hyperpalatable, over-processed foods. So Of course, there's more to food than just food quality too, and we have found that food timing and your actual eating practices are extremely important too. So you could be eating the healthiest diet in the world, but if you're not properly timing when you eat or pairing your food appropriately, you can still suffer from negative symptoms around food, even like I said, if the food is high quality and nutrient dense. You can get things like blood sugar dips and crashes from improper meal timing or waiting too long to eat and not eating regularly and waiting too long and getting hangry will cause these issues. So one of the things that we see is people eating naked carbs, which is just what the term for eating carbs by itself. So if you were to just eat a piece of fruit and not pair it with a protein or fat, you are going to get a blood sugar spike and crash, even if it's a healthy, high quality carb. Like I said, fruit, fruit juice, or an apple. And... (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely get sad when someone just brings an apple for a snack. I'm like, but yeah. what about your blood sugar? Like I, someone <laughs> was working at our house the other day and we offered them some food and he was like, oh, that's okay. I brought my apple. And I'm like, yeah. well, you're going to need some cheese or a meat stick to go yeah, with that. That's, that's notorious in like the hiking community
0: where they just bring like an orange or an apple yeah. or like a banana. And I think I think the same thing every time. I'm like, but where's the protein? Like, <laughs> That's not going to do anything for you. No, it's just going gonna- you know, I'm like, it's a healthier option. I'm like,
1: A for effort, but we really need to yes. do a little bit better. I know. You know? I know you can't tell someone that that's bad because they yeah. are like trying, you know, I, know. <laughs> I actually used to have this, this joke, I guess you could say with my friends in college, we had this mystery theory and we could not figure out why, but we would say, if we eat an apple for a snack, it makes us more hungry. Mm. Well, now we know why, (laughs) because it was just causing a blood sugar spike and crash. And then a few minutes later, you're just starving. And it's because you just spiked your blood sugar and had nothing to slow the absorption of that food. So Eating and eating consistently is one of the only ways to bring down stress in your body. We do not, we, this does not mean you have chips with you all the time and you're just grazing all day. We don't, you don't need to be, you shouldn't do that. We just mean eating intentionally Having properly structured meals and snacks is extremely important and also eating while you're not distracted so you can just focus on your meal is really, really critical. So when you're eating distracted you are or eating while you're stressed out, you are not in a parasympathetic state. And that is basically just a nervous system state called the rest and digest state. And you need to be in that state in order to properly uh, digest and absorb the food and the nutrients in your food. So if you're eating in a sympathetic state, which is the active state of your nervous system, your digestion and the absorption of your food is definitely going to suffer.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing that people forget about is um, the way you eat matters, probably more than what you're eating, to be honest. Um, And most of us are sitting there on our phones or eating distracted. Um, You can actually tell a difference in the way that your digestive system functions if you're actually eating in a, um, in a, in a relaxed state. So I know for me personally, if I eat and I'm really stressed out or like I'm kind of in that activated, um, state, I will actually notice the next day that I have like undigested food in my stool. That's a sign that I was eating in a stressed out state. So basically what can happen is when your body's stressed out, the digestive system is a north to south process and, you're no longer pumping out juices. So you're no longer able to send that signal to your brain that, hey, it's time to eat and let's start pumping out, um, you know, hydrochloric acid and enzymes and all the things we need to break down our food. So um, that then your digestive system's stressed out and then we're not absorbing nutrients and minerals and then that's a stressor. And then that's going to impact our thyroid and our adrenals. I mean, it's just a downstream effect basically. Um, but yeah, eating eating a stressed out, state is probably one of the most under um, talked about topics. And think about it this way. You're eating in a stressed out state if you're not eating at proper timing. So if you're waiting too long to eat, your body's already stressed out. So that's going to impact your digestion. But yeah, I think the food timing is super important. Some people, you know, you want, and this is why we talk about this, especially when you're trying to heal. We talk a lot about eating every three to four hours. Guys, I don't just make that up. It's very important (laughs) until your body can start to get those hunger signals back and start to create um, safety and not have the blood sugar drops and spikes. Eating every three to four hours can literally be one of the most healing things you will ever do. And I know a lot of us want to have like a badge of honor for trying to wait as long as possible to eat, but you're actually only causing uh, more detriment to your body.
1: So yeah, yeah, that's all so true. And some other things that we see causing major stress for women is over and under exercising. So obviously there has been a huge emphasis placed on um, exercise causing stress and that has caused so many women to become fearful of working out. So We almost never see a happy medium when a woman first comes to us as a client or in our membership. They are almost always either completely under-exercising or completely over-exercising. And both of those are equally as detrimental. So establishing a healthy movement routine... And making sure to not over or under exercise, but get the right balance of walking, strength training, natural movements, stretching, and things like that in is so important. And we really do want to emphasize that exercise is critical. We don't want people to be scared of it because they've heard it's stressful. There are so many ways that you can reduce exercise stress. Exercise is inherently going to be stressful, but we need it in our lives. Um, but the things that really do make workouts incredibly more stressful and add unnecessary stress to workouts are things like fasted workouts, really intense hit workouts. Um, anything that's just going to put your body over the edge time and time again. Like I personally wouldn't really recommend people getting into like super long distance running. CrossFit can kind of be, kind of iffy too. I We don't want to talk people out of workouts that they're doing. But at the same time, it's really important to evaluate, is this workout something that's actually benefiting you and building your body up and going to give you long-term health benefits? Or is this type of workout crashing your adrenals right now, adding to your stress? And then in your 50s, you're going to have to start worrying about your knees going out, your hips going out and things like that. So there's definitely more beneficial forms of exercise we find, like I mentioned above, walking, strength training, a good balance of movement, and supporting your body around those workouts, like making sure you're eating before your workout, making sure you're having minerals during and after your workout, and having protein after your workout to help build your muscles, and making it fun and making sure that you rest Which actually brings us into another topic of sleep. That's another thing that can be a huge stressor if people aren't getting enough. And then if you combine lack of sleep with just going straight into an intense workout, you are going to really be depleting your body over time. But sleep is a big one. I mean, so many people are lacking quality sleep, not just women. And it is going to have such a detrimental effect in the long term. So creating good sleep hygiene, which is basically just a fancy term for setting yourself up for good restful sleep is so important. So some of the things we've already talked about, like getting good quality bedding made from natural materials is really important. Electronically quiet bedrooms, not sleeping with the TV on or devices close by, and really prioritizing eight to nine hours of sleep per night in seasons where it's possible. And every time we bring this up, moms will be like, well, I only get like two hours a night. And that is, I just wanted to include this because that is truly a very special scenario. And I do believe that God gives you superhuman abilities to adapt to less sleep because you're, you're meant for that. Like babies are not meant to sleep through the night. So your body does adapt. And there are women that, um, I mean, all moms really do find ways to make it work. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm not saying you're screwed if you want to have kids because you're not. You were meant to do that. Your body was designed to be a mom if you decide to be a mom and you're going to be okay. But so I just don't want that to be an additional source of stress for, for moms. But yeah, your body, your body definitely does cope and adjust and is able to do pretty crazy, amazing things when you've had children.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it too has to come down to the aspect that a lot of us are, which I'm going to dive into a little bit more about, you know we're lacking that community that family that helps us with a lot of this stuff so you know you could take a nap while somebody's you know like a family member is helping you with the kids or whatever it may be we're kind of lacking that now which is a little bit disappointing and it can definitely impact our sleep but we do have to realize this is just temporary you know at the time you're probably thinking oh my god i'm never going to get to sleep again but like we have to realize this is just a, a temporary phase of life and, and we will eventually get to sleep again yes. <laughs> but our bodies are built Built for this, that's you know that's a that's a big part of the postpartum period, um, but also going to sleep past 10 p.m. can be pretty detrimental, and people get pretty upset when I mention this. But it is seen as a sign of stress on your body, and your stress hormones will rise after that time. So I think you know it's kind of like our bodies have always are, have not necessarily adapted to being afraid of the dark, like in the old times, you know, the dark is scary generally. But, um, in reality, when I, when I think about this, every single client that I have had that I say, go to bed before 10, get a good nighttime and like a good sleep schedule. So go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time every day. Every single person says it's life-changing. Absolutely life changing, and some people—that's all they needed to do. <laughs> they didn't need to change anything else but that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is—it definitely does help to bring down stress in your body to give your body that um, routine of going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time, so it knows what it's in for. Um, also, social media—I wanted to talk a little bit about that too—and um, just the, we are going to be talking. About this all in the next season. I think we're going to be doing it for season three. Um, But we're going to be talking all about like the information overload of social media and how it impacts our health. So I'm not going to get too much into that. um, But that does lead into where negative self-talk comes from too.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, social media just really intensifies how negative our self-talk can be if it's used in the wrong ways, which, like you said, we're going to get that into that in the next season, but it truly will harm you more than, you know, I mean, you can physically feel the impacts of negative self-talk. If you really think about it, it leads to a lot of jaw clenching. It can lead to tooth grinding at night, just full body tension. And then particularly like your shoulders and neck, it just, you can, you can feel how it impacts you. I, have always been someone that battles with negative self-talk. And I can tell because my jaw is always tired by the end of a bad day because I've been just like clenching my jaw so hard. But those are all great examples of how emotions impact your physical body and talking positively to yourself or at least being mindful of what your thoughts and thought patterns are is going to be really helpful for you over time. Because yeah. the more we just sit and stew in these negative emotions and these negative self-talk patterns, the more harm we're going to do to our bodies. And then once we start um, getting into this negative loop, then we just start stressing over everything and stressing over stress. And just it just becomes this really toxic environment for us mentally and we cannot act like that's not going to have physical repercussions because it absolutely does. I think it also too, the biggest thing is that it does impact – your
0: relationships and who you surround yourself with. I mean, you're gonna be in a bad mood if you're constantly <laughs> talking bad about yourself That's in your true. head. So you end up not really becoming somebody that people want to hang out with. Because, or you, you kind of might isolate because you're just so negative in your in your thoughts. So, um, I guess that kind of brings us into the other one about um, how lack of community is stressful, or like. You know, energy sucking relationships is stressful. And that kind of comes back to just the fact that, like, as humans, we're wired for connection and connection and belonging are just tied to survival. They always have been. Um, And without it, we just feel fear. Uh, We don't feel safe. We don't feel fulfilled. And you have to kind of put this back, bring this back to like, think about how good you feel after you have a really good conversation with a friend or you get together with friends or people you care about. And You actually literally like the science behind it is that you release oxytocin, which helps to relax the body and bring down stress. And unfortunately, most of us don't have connection with people anymore. We're lacking community. And that kind of brings us back to social media and giving us this false sense of community, which we're going to dive into um, in season four. Same thing with the relationships. We're also going to be diving into that. Um, Actually, no, it's season Season three is going to be social media. Season four is going to be on relationships.
1: And that brings us to the last point or the last category that we really see creating a lot of stress for our uh, community members and our clients and just women in general, which is unexpressed emotions and traumas. So supporting your emotions and working through the stress and trauma that you've experienced in your life. Is so critical to overall healing. We talk about this all Mm -hmm. the time. And we are, of course, not experts in this realm at all. But like we've mentioned, our intake forms literally ask about the trauma that our clients have experienced because it is that important. We can't possibly help them get to a place of healing without understanding that. So we're not experts, like I said, but some things that we always recommend or usually recommend to clients that have had significant trauma are things like trauma-focused therapies such as EMDR, um, myofascial release, Sometimes neurofeedback can be a helpful tool. Sometimes EFT tapping can be a helpful tool as well. But there is such, it's critical. It is critical to work on these things and to learn these things and learn these techniques to help get you through these uh, traumas and stressors that you've experienced in your life because they really do take a toll and unaddressed stress and trauma and emotions can just compound in your body and really show up as symptoms over time. And you actually have a great uh, post on this on your Instagram called, Mm -hmm. you have to feel in order to heal. So if anyone wants to check that out, we will link that in the show notes, but it is just So you can't just ignore these things and move through life as if nothing's happened to you um, because they really will just continue to show back up in different ways, whether that is physical, emotional, or mental symptoms. Yeah. So we're actually going to dive a little bit more into the emotional aspect. And like I just said, we're not experts, but we really do have a lot to say just because we see this so much because we work with so many women. And we really do think it's important to have healthy emotional responses in order to create a healthy internal healing environment.
0: Yeah, for sure. This is always a really good topic to talk about. Again, we're not experts in this whatsoever, but... um, Definitely after working with the amount of women that we have, we have seen the impact of emotions on their health. So your emotions that whether it be like anger, fear, resentment, anxiety, shame, um, Envy, you know, just to name a few play a huge role in how healthy you are and your likelihood of getting a disease or your susceptibility to certain symptoms. So if your body is emotionally unstable, or you have unresolved emotions, your body will see that as a threat which then can cause a physical response. So similar to having negative feelings about yourself or your healing or um, a poor body image, some people get really negative about their healing journey. Um, That's what I meant by healing. But uh, this does elicit a stress response. And I know as silly as it sounds, but your cells actually have memory and your body and your cells store these past threats and dangers. So your body will continue to react to them until you resolve them and work through them. And if you are emotionally unstable, then your body is going to keep you in a loop of just feeling unwell, because your body is focusing on surviving. So yeah, basically your trapped emotions can also fill up that stress bucket that we talked about, and your body is going to express whatever your mind is suppressing. So people talk about the nervous system, You know, they talk about healing the nervous system, um, but in reality, it just comes down to learning how to process emotions effectively. So, you know, <laughs> this is like this is just what we see on Instagram. But guys, you're not going to just breath work and dance your way out of nervous system dysregulation. <laughs> as much as people want to tell you that that's all you need to do, that's that's not that's not going to heal you. Um <laughs> <laughs> just needed to throw that out there but um those chronic symptoms are basically there just to keep your mind off of emotions that you don't want to feel so getting in touch with your emotions and actually feeling things is how you're how you're going to get past um these negative emotions or these suppressed emotions
1: yeah it's true i mean <laughs> and this is what you were talking about earlier with um My symptoms that I used to have when I was going through my divorce. But two of the main things that I had chronically during that process was really bad acne. Um, If you follow me on Instagram or you're in our membership, you're probably pretty familiar with my acne journey. Um, During my divorce, my skin was just Mm -hmm. out of control. And it's so crazy because at the time I just wasn't putting two and two together. Like I've always struggled with acne. It's always been like my thing, but during the divorce, it was just chronic. And actually we were, we were able to clear a lot of it up with, uh, the correct testing and supplements, but just the overall turmoil and internal stress and pain and heartbreak I was feeling was just causing this horrible environment in my body. And, um, the, response that I was having also repeatedly was literally diarrhea. Like I know that sounds crazy to some people and I'm sure other people, if they were in my same situation would have probably had a different response. But when things were getting really, really tense and really toxic with my ex, every time he would communicate with me, whether it was a text or an email or a phone call, like I would literally, my stomach would drop and I would have... (laughs) <laughs> diarrhea. So I was getting these symptoms from these emotions I was having, and that experience more than anything really taught me that your you cannot separate your emotions and stressors from your physical well being. You might yeah. want to, and you might try to, but you can't. You yeah. truly cannot because they are so closely intertwined. It's kind of like you, in a
0: way. I, I kind of see diarrhea as like purging, right? Like it's almost right. like because you finally spoke up and you did something, your body was purging all of those emotions, whereas other people might get constipated. So they might get the opposite because they're holding in, they feel stuck and they're holding in their emotions. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting when you think about how different symptoms can can pop up based off of what you're going through. But I personally know that if I'm holding in something that I want to say to somebody, or you know, just if I'm feeling a certain way, um, if I finally get it out and I talk about it, it really truly does feel like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And I have now come to this conclusion that I feel like a lot of the weird symptoms that I'll get occasionally um are actually just me holding onto an emotion. So like a headache or a migraine or um constipation or diarrhea, um sometimes I'll like I've been prone to like eye styes or just like aches and pains or like a shoulder issue or something. Um I honestly have been able to associate every single one of those with an emotion, which is wild to me. And this is something that I learned over time. Um, this isn't something I knew right away. I mean, for a long time, I wanted to just blame it on a food, right? Everything was a food. Food was always the problem, you know, and we didn't want I didn't want to admit that my emotions were just, you know, out of whack. <laughs> and I wasn't uh, I wasn't expressing them, Um I mean, I used to, I used to not even cry. I didn't even like, I was so stoic. Like I I just, I I held everything in. I had so much stuff just stored in my body. And over the past, I would say three years, I've been way, way better um, about this.
1: I mean, that's not, of course, we're not saying that every single symptom you're ever Mm. gonna experience is related back to an emotion because like I said, I mean, we literally through the lab testing that we ran, we run in our membership that we offer to our members, we ran all of the testing on me and we implemented a protocol and my skin did significantly improve while I was going through like the absolute peak worst of my divorce. So it's not to say that all of it is emotional, like there are true physical nutritional imbalances that occur yeah. i mean I, those emotions
0: and is a, that, that those suppressed emotions or the emotions are probably what caused your body to get stressed out to create. Then those, <laughs> you know, imbalances yep. right that need to be addressed. So because this happened, you did have imbalances that needed to be addressed along with the emotional yep. piece. So you can't just disregard that your body does have these imbalances and you're just gonna work on the emotional piece. These things need to be coexist together. They they need to be worked on together
1: exactly that is exactly what i was trying to say is this is why we are doing a season on this even though we're not emotional mental wellness experts it's because you can't separate the two you can't yeah. they are the same they will the negative emotions will create the imbalance that then needs to be addressed with nutrition and supplements that then needs to be addressed with trauma support like it's mm-hmm. this feedback loop that's constantly going and that's why you have to be supporting all of it which is why we can never just help someone with just nutrition it's always this full picture yep true true
0: yeah i mean your your acne and stuff had cleared up tremendously with the protocols while you were also working on the like emotional piece as well if we had not run those labs it would not have happened
1: it would not, if I fully to this day believe it would still be there. And Absolutely. I mean, to give a little bit more perspective on this situation, we ran labs in April. My skin was literally a different person by May. Like it, it was significantly improved yeah. and I didn't even file for divorce until July. Yeah. So I was still going through the epitome of like extreme stress. Then I filed for divorce. Then I went through the divorce process. And while my skin wasn't perfect during all of that, it was a hundred times better than it would have been if we didn't run those
0: labs. Basically by, by supporting your body and those systems and your minerals and your digestion and the things that got out of whack from this, you had your body then became more resilient and had the energy to be able to look into the emotional piece So that, that was basically what gave you the, the ability to even look into the emotional aspect
1: in the first place. Exactly. I mean, if I wasn't supporting the foundations that we teach and eating this nutrient dense diet full of minerals, I, I would not have healed as fast as I did from my acne. Number one, imagine if you were still doing keto, (laughs) I, I would be dead.
0: I would be buried (laughs) the stress of that on top of like a super stressful life event. Absolutely. Absolutely not. You would be.
1: Yeah, I would be, I can't fathom how differently I would be doing right now. If I wasn't at least supporting my body the way I was through the entire process, which I think it's totally a God thing. Cause I literally Mm -hmm. found this way of eating like, I want to say like six to nine months before I left. And then had a year and a half long divorce process where I was correctly supporting my body. So if I wasn't, things would have been so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, this
0: is a perfect example, but I saw this girl who um, is a vegan on Instagram and she was talking about how she was going through this super stressful time and all these different like family things were coming up and, um, but she decided to intentionally fast during this super stressful time, and I'm thinking, wow, talk about complete disrespect to your body. Complete disrespect. Like, I th- I think that we all should know that if you're going through a hard time, we don't fast during that time. Can you imagine if I tried to fast? <laughs> yeah, or fast fasting or keto during that whole divorce process. <laughs> Absolutely oh, not like I cannot
1: imagine I, I
0: couldn't I literally couldn't believe that she thought fasting was the appropriate method during an extremely stressful time oh, that is absolutely so sad. not because yeah. that's so
1: misguided. Oh, yes.
0: Yes. Um yeah, but anyways, <laughs> I think it would be fun. Um in the last episode we did a rapid fire listing out our favorite products um for a healthy physical environment. Do you want to share some of your favorite practices um for a healthy mental and emotional environment?
1: Yes. So, of course, um what we just talked about supporting yourself with nourishment, eating real whole foods, properly prepared that are nutrient dense and mineral rich is going to have such a profound impact. So always, always, always starting there meal timing, not letting yourself get those blood sugar spikes and crashes, all of that. As far as some tools that really helped me, I will link these in the show notes, the place we find ourselves podcast, um, literally changed my life. I try to use that phrase sparingly so that I'm serious when I use it. And that is truly one of, one of the things that made all the difference in the world for me. So the place we find ourselves podcast, the holistic psychologist on Instagram. Mm, yep. Um, you probably know her. Yeah. Sure that's, she's a, she's a good she's account. Huge. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, the book, the body keeps the Score." I do like to dis- like put a disclaimer whenever I recommend this book. It is extremely intense. Mm-hmm. A lot of people read it and get like I guess you could say kind of triggered by it. It's just it's a lot, but it helped me so well to understand how trauma does change the body and um how your body can hold on to it. Now, yeah. I don't believe that you're doomed to be stuck with that. Um There's so many things you can do to work through it. Like my next bullet point here is journaling and praying. So praying, one of the biggest things that has helped me listening to, uh, like worship music and things like that, all of that kind of stuff, um, has been huge for me. And then another one is talking to my boyfriend, which I could never say this before, which is why healthy relationships are so important. And then like talking to you and talking to my family. So those are kind of, that's like my toolbox for stressful times are those things. Yeah. And obviously all of the things we talked about. So the meal timing
0: is super important. That would be mine. Um, I have to make sure that I'm eating every three to four hours. That helps me tremendously. Um, also same for me. Um, Talking with you, talking with my mom um, or my husband about things that can always be, that can always feel really, really good afterwards. Um, Writing. I love writing. I feel like if I can write something down or if I have a conflict in my mind at all, that's just like taking over me um, and just like, you know, weighing on me. If I journal it out, not necessarily journal it out, but kind of write a pros and cons list about something that's conflicting me. That helps tremendously. I feel like this time of the year when you're kind of like reevaluating your entire life, I've done that like four times <laughs> just in like the month of December. <laughs> um, and it's helped every single time. It's helped me to get out of that cycle of like just dwelling on something, you know? Um Another would actually be crying. So this is a new one for me over the past few years. I used to never cry. Like I had said, I was very stoic. Um, And I now like to like go on walks or hikes and just like walk in nature and I'll, I'll just cry. Like I'll just like find beautiful places and I will just let it go. You know, if I need to, um, obviously I'm not just like crying all the time every day. There's usually a reasoning for it or feel, or feeling a reason why I feel the need to cry. Right. Um, but crying is a release. So, um, really getting in touch with that and crying when you can, can actually be really, really helpful. I mean, it's even helped me to combat like a headache or a migraine. If I feel something like that coming on, um, sometimes crying can just get rid of it because you're releasing an So, um, also just, you know, I, I always express this, but living in a beautiful place can do a lot for your mental and emotional health. It really is truly super healing. Um, and I also just wanted to mention, this isn't necessarily like rapid fire or, you know, anything about what I do, but, I think people think they need to do some like extraordinary thing in order to heal their nervous systems. And it really is simple. And it can just be about the day-to-day things that you're doing or not doing or exposing yourself to, um, to help you get out of a state of dysregulation and just getting out of situations that leave you in a heightened state. So, um, you can definitely create internal peace in a regulated nervous system very easily just by how you spend your days and who you surround yourself with. Uh, Anika, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, that was really good. I mean, I I just think the biggest takeaway we want you guys to have from this episode is that there are so many stressors that are in your control. So of course, everyone's going to have stressors that are out of our control. That is just life. Um, But you can choose to not do things like you can choose to not fast, not skip meals, not over exercise or under exercise and not eat processed foods and not treat treat yourself with disrespect or self-sabotage yourself all the time or spend all your time comparing yourself on social media. So there really are things that are in your control that you can improve to help you manage the larger stressors that you, you can't control.
0: Yeah, you do have control over how you handle your emotions. <laughs> you might not think you do, but you do. <laughs> and you can set boundaries, um, you know, lots of things to help you um, get out of this state of stress. Um, but you do have a choice to nourish and create a healthy, safe environment internally or not. So, in the next episode, we're going to be diving into creating routines, boundaries, and the power of saying no.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Wild and Well-Fed podcast. On the last episode of each season, we'll answer listener questions. If you have a question for us, please email it to us at wildwellfed@gmail.com for a chance to have your questions answered. If you like this episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you again next time.